So, sisters and brothers, I want to read a text from you from the book of Matthew, a story that I'm sure many of you are probably familiar with, um, John the Baptist and his ministry and, and how he pursued God's righteousness and how God used him to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus and for God's people and for us included in that to, to know that Christ had come, that the Messiah had come. We think about John, I don't know what you think about him, but he's the weird guy in the desert with the funny clothes that eats the, the bugs and the locusts and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes we think, well, why would somebody be like that? Why would some, what's the extreme of that? Does that mean anything? And, and, and it really does. Even his dress means something because it reminds us of, I think, of the, the powerful words of Isaiah the prophet, which reminds us that God is always moving and God is always speaking. Amen? And so this is a part of the John's ministry that we read today. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved with him. I am well pleased. Sisters and brothers, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, would you take a few moments to uh, pray with me? And for me, Lord, baptism, what a powerful way that we experience your grace. And there's no way for me, no way for us to fully, truly be able to understand the way you love us and the way you work in our lives, God. But with humility and humble hearts, God, we come before you with this word before us, asking, Lord, for you to show us just enough of what we need from you. Because we know, God, what you give to us is always enough. So may these words be your words, God, just as we are your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks be to God. So I was just sitting there. uh, I was sitting one time in the car as a kid when I first felt one of my major disappointments in life. So I'd been with my mom and we had stopped at a store. I think we were on our way home from work. She was and we stopped at the store and I saw it. I saw it there. It was a toy display. It's about this big. And it was like, I don't remember the exact name, but something like super cop package. Right. And it had like a whistle. It had a badge. It had a baton. But the thing that caught my eye the most were these huge handcuffs. And some of the headings on it was like, you know, you'll catch the bad guys, some kind of crazy stuff like this. So I get it. I'm excited. I'm going to be a super cop and catch all the bad guys and I bring it to mom and she says we're not buying that but mom but mom look super cop look at these handcuffs it's got a whistle we don't need a whistle in our house no no but you know God I I guess give me that ability to already start selling stuff right selling mom we need this I need this don't you want me to be a super cop long story short she bought it for me yes So I got in the car and I'm opening it up, put on my seatbelt because 
Super cops have to wear seatbelts too, right? And I open it up and I, ooh, the whistle, don't need the whistle, I'm not going to use the baton. So I get the handcuffs and I put the handcuffs on and, you know, they're going like this, look, mom, these are good, these are good handcuffs. And my mom started laughing at me. <laughs> she knew why I shouldn't have bought that, right? A cheap toy at the store, there at the end caps, right? All I had to do was move my hand just a little, and it's broken. Even though it was sold to me so well, disappointed because it didn't live up to what I thought it should be. You ever have a moment like that where something or someone disappoints you greatly? See, I think we always remember John the Baptist as humbly talking to Jesus. I think we remember John the Baptist as having Jesus there and, and, and humbly baptizing him. And I think that's true. I think he was humbled by Jesus being there. But I think before he was humbled, he was disappointed in Jesus. That it may be that John the Baptist is the first person in Christian history to be disappointed in Jesus. He wasn't the last one. He isn't the last one. Many people are disappointed in Jesus. John the Baptist was humbled because of what Jesus was going to do, but he was disappointed in the way he was going to do it. And the reason why we say that, you have to remember, we didn't read it here, but if we go up just a few verses before, as John is baptizing in the river, all these people are coming to him and they're confessing sins and and they're being made new. And John is participating in this, announcing that the Messiah has come. There's some religious folks, some leaders there, John sees them and he has a harsh word for them. And he starts talking about Jesus. He starts talking about the Messiah to them. He starts building them up and that the Messiah is going to come with power, someone who's more powerful, more important than me. He's coming. I'm not even worthy to touch the, the shoes, the sandals on his feet. He's coming. And when he's coming, he's going to come in power and in might like you've never seen before. And then Jesus comes and he comes up to, to John and he says, I want you to baptize me. And John says, wait a minute. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And, and there's always a c- confusion about how the text is, is read. It's, it's either John's thinking in his mind, how can I keep Jesus from doing this? Or maybe he is literally saying, uh-uh, you get out of this water. You are not going to do this. I need to be baptized by you, John says. And I think as, as Jesus comes there and he, John sees him for the first time before he's humbled, he's disappointed. Because there's no way the powerful, mighty Messiah of God should humble himself to go through such an act like this. Y'all with me? Jesus, excuse me, John was disappointed with Jesus. So he's the first one and he's not the last because I know there are plenty of people today who are still disappointed with Jesus. Hi, Jesus. I thought you were going to answer my prayer this way. Jesus, I thought you were going to give me that job or that man or that thing, that raise. Jesus, I thought it was going to work out like this. There are plenty of people still disappointed with Jesus today. Y'all with me? 
But here's what I'm going to tell you. If you'll be willing to be disappointed with Jesus, and if you carry along, you will be able to live abundantly with Jesus. If you'll stand the pain, the initial shock of being disappointed in Jesus. So Jesus comes to John, he's baptized, and the church remembers Jesus' baptism. It's an important part of uh, the life of Jesus. It's an important part of the life of the church as well. When we remember Jesus being baptized, we, we see him coming down in the water. We coming up, we hear that voice of God. We see the dove descending upon him, reminding us of God's presence with him. That voice telling Jesus that he's the beloved son of God, that God is well pleased with him, but we hear the voice as well. And we recognize that Jesus is the son of God. We see that in his baptism. But not only do we recognize, see that about Jesus, we also learn that about ourselves as well. Whereas Isaiah told us that the spirit of God was going to be upon God's servant. And we see that being fulfilled in Jesus' baptism. We remember what Peter said when Peter says, now then... Jesus gave us the same mission and the same priority that he had. And with the same power, within the same baptism, we did that work too. So remembering Jesus' baptism, we remember something important about him. And we remember something essential about our identity as well. We are the beloved children of God. And don't you forget it. Don't you forget what your baptism says about you. Don't you forget what God has spoken over you already. I know there's people who think other things about you, but don't you ever forget what God has already said about you. You are mine and I love you. You are mine. So we understand this, this identity that we have. I, I hope we grab that more and more. I, we talk about like believing in Jesus and that great, but we, through our baptism, we have our identity in Jesus. That as a body of Christ, because we have been baptized in Jesus' name, that is where we get who we are. Who we are is not dependent on the job we have, not the clothes we wear, not the car we drive, not where we live, not what we know, not what we've been through, but who has called us his own. Our identity is in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is. It's a bunch of people filled with the spirit of God called the beloved children of God. So I like to remind the church often that you are the beloved children of God. And after that, after some time, as we get to amen that a little bit, right? Because we are the beloved children of God. After we have a chance to amen that and celebrate that a little bit, then I like to remind the church to act like it. Remember that you are the beloved children of God. See, but all these things we know about Jesus and we know about ourselves through the baptism of Jesus, but it's all stuff that we recognize after the fact. All these years that we've been reading Matthew 3 and John about being baptized, Jesus being baptized, and what it meant. We've had all these years to talk about, to pray about, and to think about what it means. But I want us to think about John the Baptist for a second. 
Because he didn't have 2,000 years to think about this. He was put on the spot. And he had to make a choice in that moment. And I think it's the same choice you and I have to make time and time again. I think we need to look at John the Baptist more because in doing so, we learn something else about ourselves. We recognize that Jesus, excuse me, John already knew something about Jesus. It's all that stuff that he told to the Pharisees. It's all that stuff about the winnowing fork and all that stuff about coming with power, all that stuff about being the mighty one of God. John already knew that stuff about Jesus. And he was excited about what he knew. I mean, you got to imagine this guy, he's wearing camel's hair. He's eating bugs and locusts. You see his hair is probably, you see a guy like that. That kind of guy is not quiet about anything, right? This guy is loud. This guy is the one who sees all the church folk from far off and says, what are you looking at? What do you think's going on here? There's one more powerful coming. So he's excited about what he knows about Jesus. Excited, I think, to be a part of it. Excited that what he has been told since he was a toddler, since he used to go up for children's church, that what he's been told about the promise of God is being fulfilled right here, right now. But then Jesus came to be baptized, and it didn't quite line up with what John expected or what he thought he knew about Jesus. Y'all with me? I mean, you guys have Jesus figured out perfectly, right? So you'll bear with me. John the Baptist needed a little more help understanding Jesus. See, John said, I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to make sure that you fit into the story more than you realize. I want you to make sure there's a lot of John the Baptist in all of us, even though we call ourselves Methodists. Dumb joke, sorry. See, John the Baptist knew all these things about Jesus. And he was right about what he said. When Jesus came to him, he says, wait, whoa, whoa, get out of the water, man. I need to be baptized by you. And you know what? He was right. He was right, but he wasn't ready. And I think there's a lot of people in the church that are right about God, but they're not ready for God. And I think we see in this story, this moment that John the Baptist gets to decide if he wants to bank on being right or being ready. And I want you to start asking yourself that question. Do I want to be satisfied with being right or do I want to be ready for what God's doing? Now, in order to be ready, you have to listen. And listen like, yeah, I heard you, but also listen like, okay, I'm going to do it. In order to be ready, you have to listen. You see, too many of us in the church, we want to experience Jesus without listening to Jesus. We want to have the the power of God. We want to be close to Jesus. We even say we want to worship Jesus, but we ain't trying to listen to Jesus. And I don't mean, yeah, I heard, but I mean... I heard enough to do what I heard. Remember when you were kids, your mama said, did you hear me? Yeah, you heard what your mama said, right? But you had other plans. How many of us treat God the same way? In order to be ready, you have to listen. 
See, we're not going to be able to do any of the things God wants us to do or any of the things maybe we have set in our heart to do if we're not willing to listen first to what God has to say, to listen to how God is directing us. You see, as Jesus came to be baptized, John's saying, no, 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 I need to be baptized by you. He was right, but he wasn't ready. And then Jesus told him, no, you let me do this because this is how we will fulfill all righteousness. You see, he gave John, I think, a choice. A choice now. 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 That's the word he used. He said, we must do this now so that we can fulfill our righteousness. And it's not that in that one act, everything was done. Everything wasn't done until Jesus said it was finished when he was on the cross. But in that moment where we do this now, Jesus was saying, this is our next step in walking into the power of God. This is our next step in following the movement of God, the way that God was making now is the time. Sisters and brothers, too many of us and too many churches have let too many nows pass them by. And then we wonder why we don't feel the power of God. See, I was doing some reading, and I don't want to say too much, because I know probably Miguel would be like, that's wrong, that's not what I heard. There's this whole lot of thought, right, about our perception of time, right? Am, am I right? There's a lot of, lot of stuff about how we perceive time and how we experience time. And I don't have the brains to go through all that, but there is this idea about how we experience the now. And from what I can gather... The way our brain works in the now, our brain is either an alarm clock telling us to get up because now is the time, or our brain is the snooze button that says turn over and go back to sleep. In that moment, John had a choice to hear the alarm clock or to push the snooze three times, four times, five times. Right? Ever happened to you? You wake up, you know, a few minutes right before the alarm goes off. Oh, I'll just close my eyes for about 10 minutes. All of a sudden, it's an hour and a half later. How in the world did... Because we let the now pass. I heard once that, you know, you can be right, but wrong at the top of your voice. Right? You, you can be right with your opinion. You can be right about what you're having to say. But if you don't approach it with the right kinds of attitude, if you don't come with it with the right kind of intentions even, then nobody's gonna li- you're going to be wrong because nobody's going to be willing to listen to you. And I think the same can be true about our walk with God, that we can be right but wrong because we miss the now moment of God. And John had to decide if he was going to bank on being right or being ready. Now, that doesn't mean we get to do whatever. You know, I'm ready. I'm going to go out and do everything I want to, God. I have a friend of mine who used to get very upset about uh, that song we sing, uh, Here I Am, Lord. Remember that part? Right? Or the song. And uh, we're always say, um, how's it go? Uh, I will go, Lord, if you lead me. Right? And that always, that always bugged him. Like, if you lead me. That's, that's, no, it's wrong. But it's actually true because we don't just go do anything we want because then we'd be spinning our wheels. 
And I got to tell you, sisters and brothers, it's pretty obvious that a lot of churches, they've been doing kind of whatever they want, spinning their wheels, losing their resources, losing the time, not take advantage of the now moments. But if God is leading us, that's what you want to be doing. If God has told you this is what you need to do, sisters and brothers, do it. And so as Jesus is standing for John and the, the water is falling from their clothes and you can see uh, water all over John's hands, his faith, because he's been trying to push Jesus away. When Jesus says, no, you let me do this. Because this is what God wants us to do. John decides to go through with God's now moment. And it wasn't because this was some silly made up thing that just kind of came out of nowhere. I'm, this is a very kind of superficial thing to say, but I think it, it's helpful for me. Jesus had a God goal. He understood what God had put into his heart to make his life about and what he wanted him to do. Do you have that God goal? Do you have that direction that God has been leading you? And I want to answer the question for you. Yes, you do. Why? Because you've been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, who gives his church the mission that he carried on with his life. Yes, you and I, we have a God goal. It's our mission. It's our vision. The question is not if we have a mission, if we have a God goal. The question is whether we are going to let our what get in the way of God's win. Are you? John could have very well said, no, this ain't right. You go find you another baptizer. I I don't feel right doing this. I'm not worthy of this. You, You say this is from God? Okay, fine. Well, Go with God and do something else. He was right. And thank God he was ready. Because God used him in a powerful way. Jesus would say later on that there is nobody, nobody more powerful than John in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because he was ready. Because he was ready. Because he was ready. Sisters and brothers, are you ready? We should pray. We should pray because sometimes we don't know if we're ready. I mean, look what happened to John the Baptist. He was ready, but it cost him his life. Look at Jesus. It cost him his life. Look at the history of the church. You got people who are ready. And a lot of them cost them everything they have. But this is the life God has given to us, and that's what God is asking of us. So I think we should pray because sometimes it's hard to say we're ready. But if we would be willing to believe what we say when we raise our hands and sing, Here I am, Lord. The world would never be the same. So if you want to be ready, I want you to pray with me. God, what a mighty thing to know that that you trust us with your work, that 
the, the good and the powerful things that you want to do, Lord, you quite often want to do them through us. So, Lord, help us. Because sometimes we're not ready. By your power, God, in your mercy, make us ready. Make us ready to live the abundant life you promise is ours. And God, fill us with your power. As we seek your forgiveness, Lord, we've wronged you. We've forgotten you. We've turned our back on you. We haven't loved you like we we should. So God, we ask for your forgiveness. All of us. And ask God for you to make us ready. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks be to God.